The Straight Ahead Animation Podcast is taking a break from December 6th to January 10th. Episode 47, next week, will be the last episode of this season and we'll come back stronger and well-rested in the new year with season two. We can't thank you enough for just an amazing reception of our season one, and we couldn't have created this platform without our audience. So thank you for helping us raise up these BIPOC voices. Society tells us that my identities are conflicting. For me, we're the same because that's who I am, right? It's everything that I am. I saw what the media doesn't show you, and it's when people come together in hard times. One of my goals through animation is to make the world a better place. However cheesy that sounds, that's my goal. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Ray Mendoza-Landa, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Daniela Dweck. She is a Middle Eastern artist working as a character TD model and rigger at Pixar. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having me. Uh, my name is Daniela Dweck, and... Um, as you said, I'm Middle Eastern. Um, on my father's side, I'm uh, Lebanese and Egyptian and also Syrian. And on my mom's side, Iraqi and Sudanese. So kind of a big mix. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, my family, my grandparents are all like refugees from the Middle East. So I actually grew up in Europe. I was born in London um, and grew up oh, wow. in Geneva, Switzerland and moved to the U.S. Uh, when I was 16 um wow. so okay. yeah a few years ago <laughs> and mm. yeah i've been here ever since and um i graduated from the school of visual arts uh, which is in new york city uh in 2020 and shortly after started uh working at pixar uh in june 2020 um and just to backtrack a little bit just before that uh the year before i was interning with ray actually um, <laughs> in the summer of 2019 as a, a character TD model rigger as well. That's a small world. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> small animation world, I would say. Yeah. yeah. The way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather travel to space with Feifei and Chin from Over the Moon or travel to the future with Lewis and Wilbur from Meet the Robinsons? Oh, I think I would rather travel to space because... Ooh! Yeah. Because oh, wow. I, I, I like to be... Spontaneous. I don't want to know the future. I would rather <laughs> it be a surprise. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. But what if it's what if it's super far into the future where you don't exist? Like this oh. is past your lifetime. Would it still be spontaneous? Mm, I mean, I don't know. I I kind of like not knowing. Like I don't know. It's kind of interesting <laughs> to me. So I think I would ra still rather go to space and just see like what that's like. Like it would be really beautiful. So. Is there an appeal for space for you, or is it just because it's not the future? <laughs> I think because it's just not the future. Because <laughs> honestly, like I don't know, I don't. I feel like you know, with 
people going to space like right now i don't feel like i would want to go to space i don't know i mean i don't know who knows mm-hmm. i'm open <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like from over the moon yes yeah. yeah it's more like fantastic <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that'd be super cool yeah that's a good awesome. question <laughs> yeah good answer <laughs> thank you okay last question if you are a villain who would you rather have help you Minion from Megamind or the Minions from Despicable Me? Oh, that's that's clever. (laughs) Actually, that's really easy for me. (laughs) Definitely Minions from Despicable Me because literally it's my sticker on my computer right now. I just love them. (laughs) They're just so funny and cute. And I just (laughs) I just really love their language, you know, (laughs) kind of reminds me of like how I speak to my dog. Well, not really, but kind of. (laughs) I just yeah, they're just so. Yeah, that's a very easy choice for me. It's like silly and fast. Yeah, and also because if you listen to what they say, they just say random words, mm-hmm. and they speak French and Italian in there, and I, I kind of sp- I speak those languages, so it's funny for me. I just think they're so cute. Yeah. <laughs> did you study those languages, or did you just like kind of pick them up because you uh, were in like Europe for a while? Well, both. Well, because mm. my family speaks also a bunch of languages, and like. Mm. I grew up like, okay, so actually between London and Geneva, uh, Switzerland, I actually lived in Italy for a very short time. And I mm-hmm. used to go there a lot because I have family there too. Mm. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, French is my first language, actually. Oh, <laughs> um, ah, interesting. Yeah. And I speak seven languages. Um, Wait, what? And <laughs> I just, languages is like one of my passions other than art, honestly. Um, oh, that's so I just cool. love learning and I want to learn more you know that is that is crazy seven <laughs> languages oh my god i think like uh i'm i'm bilingual only between spanish and english but like my spanish could be a lot better because mm-hmm. when it comes to like speaking in spanish i'm not i don't ever feel like i'm actually speaking spanish i feel like i'm constantly speaking english in my head but translating mm-hmm. it in real time to speak Whoa. spanish mm-hmm. is how i feel like i talk in spanish mm-hmm. there's some words that just come naturally to me in spanish but like if mm-hmm. i'm trying to have a full-on conversation I'm just like in my head translating from English to Spanish. Oh, uh, is it like yeah. that with you and the seven languages, or do you feel like you have a natural knack where you're not really? I guess if French is like your first language, you're not thinking of French and yeah. translating it to the language that you're speaking. Well, it depends which language. Some languages I okay. do feel that way because also oh. I I just need to practice them more because I haven't had the opportunity, especially in America. Mm-hmm. But like for example, French. Well, obviously English. Mm. Spanish also I don't really have to think about it too much but like the other ones sometimes sometimes it comes naturally sometimes I have to think about it but yeah I know what you mean though because it's like sometimes you just speak and sometimes you really do have to think about what you're saying before you're saying it you know Mm -hmm. that's kind of cool because like you know there's a lot of overlap with the Italian and Spanish and those kind of romantic languages too Mm mm-hmm yeah, mm. I had to take Latin when I was in school, so oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it complex. Helps it helps with SATs. So mm. if anyone is taking their SATs, like definitely take Latin. <laughs> it's gonna help you with all those weird words that you don't you've never heard of in your life before. Well, awesome. Well, that was in between. Thanks so much for playing with us, Daniela. Hopefully, you had some fun. Thank you. Yeah, that was really clever questions. <laughs> uh, thank, thank you, you. <laughs> and if you enjoyed today's in-between questions let us know your responses or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions contact us on social media 
I'm really excited for this episode. Daniela is actually our first artist on kind of like the technical side. The fact that she's, you know, a character, technical director, modeler, and rigger, it's going to be super cool. I'm super excited to kind of learn more about that part of the pipeline in animation. And yeah, so hopefully you guys are just as excited as me and like get to learn more about a different aspect in the animation pipeline. So for those that aren't too aware, could you explain what it is that you do as a character, technical director, modeler slash rigger at Pixar? Yeah, definitely. Um, so think of it as like animation is kind of creating a scene, right? Like um, a show, right? Um, and you have mm-hmm. different actors and behind the scenes, right? So mm-hmm. I get given a drawing that is in 2D. And I have to then take that and make it into a 3D character. So it's almost like I'm taking clay in the computer and moving it around and moving points around to make a character. Um, And then another thing that I do, so that's the modeling part. And then the rigging part is kind of like, think of it as someone gives me this puppet and they want me to make it, uh, give put all the strings so that it can move. So I'm kind of like the puppet master, if you want. <laughs> you know, like putting all the bones, making sure that um, the character looks good when it moves its arm, for example, its fingers, its mouth. So that's kind of what rigging is. Um, and then, so I'm in between art and animation. So then when mm. I'm done, I mean, I'm constantly working with animators. They're testing my rig, my character. Um, how it works is it look like is it looking good is it ready for production and then once we get all that approval then it gets passed on to animation and they're moving the the puppet that i made as Mm. i guess that's the simplest way i could explain it um but yeah and with that um there's a lot of problem solving involved uh that's kind of like the technical part like rigging is quite technical there's some math involved, but at Pixar specifically, we, we focus a lot on appeal and what looks good. So it involves a lot of, you know, sculpting. So let's say when the smile, when there's a smile, like the character is smiling, making sure that, um, you know, it looks good. It w- will require some sculpting. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I hope that that helps a little bit. <laughs> totally. Also, I, I just feel like, the job title should just be renamed Puppet Master. <laughs> I think that'd yes. be a lot cooler. Yeah, good good call. <laughs> TD sounds so intimidating. Yeah, I mean, there's different kind of TDs, though. So I just mm. have to say, like, um, you know, environment TDs, those are the people who create the oh. environments. So TD literally means technical director, which implies that there's some technical part to the job mm-hmm. and that you technically direct it. You know what I mean? So. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're a director, but it means that you're just in a technical field. And there's some technical directors who do much more technical stuff than even I do. So it just, there's a huge range in there. It can get a bit complex. <laughs> no, I can, I can imagine because um, there's so many even different parts. Kind of like you mentioned, there's, there's environment one, mm-hmm. there's lighters, there's exactly. textures, there's simulation, there's effects. Mm-hmm. There's so many like other aspects of like on that side of the pipeline that does so much to kind of contribute to the final look of the film. Exactly. And then I guess like at your your phase, you're kind of like the 
maybe I'm wrong, but at least on the technical aspect, the starting phase, because you're, again, you're sculpting mm -hmm. and it's first inception. And then after you rig it and stuff, yours eventually gets passed on to be textured and like, you know, mm -hmm. I guess bring it more to life. The hair stuff or... Yeah, grooming the, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm. So that's super, super cool. No, yeah, it's it's really fun. And I think one of the most fun parts is the fact that I am between art and animation. So I get to see, like, I get to speak to both. And it's really important to be able to uh, connect with both departments. And yeah, it's really, it's just really cool to see a character come alive, especially like from this 2D drawing, you know, and then have this animator animate it and have so much personality. So that's honestly like my favorite part of the job, seeing when animators take what I like made for them and like go crazy with it. <laughs> it's just really cool. Have you, uh, have you worked on anything that's come out yet or it has been announced? Uh, yeah. So actually, in, during my internship, I worked on Onward and Soul. Um, I worked oh. on Onward doing oh, cool. something called, um, yeah, uh, shot sculpting. So that's actually another part of my job that I forgot to mention. But basically, uh, when animation is done with their animation, uh, we go in to the characters and make sure everything is looking good. So let's mm -hmm. say... Um, there's something we weren't able to do in rigging, like an extreme face pose, for example. Right. Then I go in and like smooth it out after the fact. Um, and mm. that's also super fun and super relaxing, honestly. Uh, and that usually happens, yeah, at the end of a pipeline. And so that's what I did on Onward. And then on Soul, um, I worked on a bunch of the souls, actually. We were the first people to touch the souls. So that was like really fun. Because I was an intern, so like that being my first thing I get to do was like really fun. Um, and I also got to work on characters in this, uh, like Joe's students. Um, I got to both model a character and then rig two others. Um, and that was also really a great experience to just kind of get used to the industry and the pipeline. So there's that. And then I also worked on Luca uh, that came out this past summer. Um, and that was yeah. fun. Uh, and yeah, that was really fun. I got to model characters, rig characters, do shot sculpting. So all three. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just like an amazing team. And it was all working from home. Wow. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Actually, something on that, on that aspect, because like, mm -hmm. I think I first discovered shot sculpting from like watching your demo reel. Oh. And I think you did it a little oh. bit for your, for your short film. Because yes. I just saw like... I saw a final pose and then I just saw like you like editing it to make it look more polished. I was like, oh, I, that's something that like never occurred to me that is like part yeah. of the process, especially for like 3D. Yeah. I, but a question that I had though is that like when you are like rigging it and you know, you send it off to the animators, are you ever thinking like, oh, I rigged this so well, try to break it? <laughs> well, <Like> <laughs> honestly, I know it's going to break. <laughs> so I want to, I want to feel that way, but. I just, I can't be too optimistic because <laughs> honestly, the thing with rigging, it's really never done. It's never truly done. Mm -hmm. So I know it's going to break. And in my thesis, what you're referencing, I actually knew that I wouldn't have enough time to work on all the characters and make them super polished. Mm. And that's why I, I made sure I had time at the end to do some shot sculpting. So that's kind of why you saw that I had that in there. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, same as Ray, I didn't even like think about that as a possibility as far as uh we were taught i guess is like 
you get the rig and you just animate it the best you can mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, try to cover up any mistakes. But it kind of makes sense that like you can just go in after the fact and like, mm-hmm. are you changing the rig at all? Or are you just kind of like patching over? Like, how are you achieving shot sculpting, I guess? So I'm not touching the rig, yeah, mm. because we don't want to touch a rig while it's in production because if someone is working on another shot, we don't want it to change what they were working on, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's why it's more of like a post type thing. And um, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar, there's USD or there's Alembic. It's basically when animation is done, we kind of strip the rig and only have the animation on the model. And that's what we work on. Oh. oh, so you like baked in kind of. Basically, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's really smart. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's really fun, honestly. Oh. So I don't know how much back and forth has happened, but like even like at the student level, sometimes when you do initially rig something, you kind of give it to the animator to kind of like, oh, try to break it or try to see if there's any faults and like anything I can touch up before like we kind of call it mm-hmm. Dunzo. Have Has there ever been like a, a time where it's like you got in like a rig back and you're like, how the hell did they do this? Or like, how did they get to this level where it, it got this janked up? Because like, I feel like any, every animator, like they all animate differently. They have, they all have their own ideas. So is there ever, was there ever a moment where you're like, how the hell did this person break this? <laughs> definitely. I've definitely come into that situation. And I think what I do is try to troubleshoot it, try to like go backwards, you know, like, okay, they touch this. Let me like put that at zero. Let's see what it looks like. Okay. That's not what's affecting it, you know, and going through everything. Mm-hmm. And trying to figure out, okay, what did they do? And it's possible that they didn't do anything, you know, and it's just like, oh, in that position, it just doesn't work. So that's when shot sculpting mm-hmm. comes in and um, we can fix it later, you know? And maybe I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to hold off on that fix. I'm not going to fix it in rigging because it's not going to actually help us, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That makes sense. So what kind of like skill sets it's like needed to be involved with the more technical side of the animation pipeline that you're in? Well, if you look at my position, I feel like it's both creative and technical, right? Mm-hmm. That's why there's modeling and rigging. It's right. not the case in mm-hmm. all studios, but I do think that even if you just want to be one or the other, having knowledge in both is actually so helpful. In modeling, because of topology flow, which is just like how the edges and everything are positioned on a character is super helpful to know if you're a rigger. And it's also Mm -hmm. super helpful to know if you're a modeler because uh, it will help inform how we rig the character. Like for example, we usually have a loop that goes around the nose and mouth and this helps with the nasal labial fold, which is, you know, anatomically um, that fold that we have when we smile. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. So it just helps to know like where those things are, you know, so that you're able to rig well after. So modelers should know those types of things Mm. and anatomy, like I said. And then for rigging, you know, there is some riggers who are just like excellent riggers, like really technical. But then if you don't have that creative aspect to your, like you, you don't have a creative eye, then it's really hard to make an appealing character. Mm. So you kind of have to have both, in my opinion. Um, being mm-hmm. able to see, you know, what looks good and also have that technical mindset. And I think what helps the most is like, are you a problem solver? Do you like to solve problems? And I, I know I say that a lot, but for me, that's what like drives me. Um, mm. I also code, mm-hmm. I make tools and it's so fun to do that, I feel, because 
you're just like trying to figure out like how to do something or why something isn't working mm-hmm. and when you get it right it's like the best feeling you know yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i feel like yeah you would need both an eye for appeal and just like that thirst to like solve it problems and i feel mm-hmm. like that should really help you in the, this part of the industry mm-hmm. of the pipeline mm-hmm. so something that i'm curious about is when it comes to like something like you know story or like animation or you know visual development like artists are always saying like oh like you know study film or oh look at a scene in movies kind of look at the shot composition try to break it down stuff like that to kind of like you know build a better eye for whatever discipline that you're in what kind of stuff is recommended when it comes to like on your side like what do they is it still kind of the same thing like oh look at that film and look how they were modeled or what are some exercises or or like advice that you get to kind of build a better eye or to build on your skills um well definitely i would definitely suggest watching animated films you know just like looking at how characters move i do think that that helps and as a rigger i actually i'm fascinated by it so like when i watch movies i always like look at oh my gosh look at the way that arm is moving like you know it's just so beautiful the shape whatever mm-hmm. but i think open anatomy books that's definitely a great thing to do there's a book called anatomy for sculptors uh by uh sandis kondrats and oldis zarins mm, okay. which you can find online and it's really great because it's very specific to like 3d so it kind of shows you in simple shapes how anatomy works and stuff like that and then in terms of rigging I definitely think like tutorials. I don't think there it's not as straightforward as it would be for um story like you were saying with composition and stuff. Mm-hmm. Just looking at people honestly, people watching, you know, how do they move like I really think that's helpful knowing the reason why I say like look at anatomy books because you need to know where the bones are, like how they're moving, like look at your own self, like look at your hand, look at your knuckles and how mm-hmm. they move. Um, look at the shape it's making when it compresses, when you hold your finger and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're also a great reference for yourself, kind of like for animators. So it's honestly all around you, especially with characters. And if it's like a, a quadruped, like a dog, if you have a dog or a cat, look at the way they move, look at where their bones are, you know, that's also really helpful. Mm. That's really cool. I'm kind of thinking now, like <laughs> in my head, in my head now, all technical characters and and riggers, when they look at the world, they just kind of look at the exoskeleton of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, what, what are your insides? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure you out. <laughs> so something I also want to get into is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but majority of like kind of like your industry experience has been at Pixar, correct? Yeah. I mean, I worked with Superdope, uh, which is like a independent studio that actually has been remote since the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was mm-hmm. founded by two of my previous teachers and two other people. Oh. So I got oh, to cool. work on that. Yeah. And that was pretty fun. But yeah, Pixar is really my main experience out of school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I wanted to ask, you interned there as a character TD model and rigger. From that, you went to a character TD modeler rigger resident, and now you're a full-time employee. How has each experience differed from the next? Interning was a great introduction. 
because I'm actually a generalist at heart.、Mm. I didn't want to focus on one thing. So the internship was kind of like a great way for me to see, like, is this something I really want to do?、Mm. Uh, or do I want to be a generalist and freelance?、Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a way for me to test the industry, like, okay, what is this? What is this、um, specific field that I'm going into? And I mean, I feel so lucky that I was able to work on two films during my internship. So that also was great because I was actually doing production work、um, and experiencing that side of things.、Mm-hmm. So, obviously, as an intern, like, you can't do like, really big things. So, I was working mostly on like, background characters and stuff, but it was just like, an amazing way to learn.、Mm-hmm. Right. And then when I came back as a resident, I feel you know, I was definitely given more opportunities you know, with trust. You, know, you can build trust and like, Get more opportunities and do more.、Um, I still did background characters,、mm-hmm. but I also did more shot sculpting, and I feel like I was given more responsibilities and rigging too.、Mm. And actually,、uh, my supervisor, which I love, he gave me the opportunity to shade because I really love、uh, shading and grooming. And I was like, you know,、mm. I would love to if、mm. I'm able, if you guys are okay with that. And I was actually given the opportunity to shade a little bit on Luca too. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Because、yeah. it's really、yeah. not part of my job, you know?、Mm-hmm. So I think every time I got more responsibility. And so I got converted、uh, full time、uh, in April. And I've been working on Pixar's first ever、um, full length TV show、uh, called Win、wow. or Lose. Yeah, which、uh, was announced、uh, this past year. Exciting. Yeah. That's been really cool. Yeah, because it's streaming. So、mm. it's、um, definitely a faster pace. And we're,、mm. we were a very small team. So I got to touch even more. And I've been given really big responsibilities that I really never did before. And I learned so, so much. I actually worked on my first main character.、Um, so、Great. that's been、awesome. really fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So,、uh. you know, I feel like with every step, I kind of got more opportunities and just. I mean, I've been learning so, so much, and I see my work getting better every time, even、oh、in my, my personal projects. So it's been really fun to experience that for sure. That's really cool. Thank you. The thing I'm also curious about as well is that, like, I feel like maybe one of the biggest differences from like, your internship to your residency is the fact that in your internship, you got to be in house and residency and going、oh. forward, you've been from home. Yes. <laughs> Because I know for like, I think Story and like VizDev has been an easier transition working from home because like、mm-hmm. our programs aren't that big or whatever. Like, I think it's easier for us to kind of convert to working from home. And majority of us have our own setups.、Mm-hmm. Was it easy to start working from home when it's like on that technical side? Because I feel like, to my knowledge, sometimes our programs are so big or require so much power that like、mm-hmm. trying to do it like on a personal computer or not having access to like the state of the art facilities that Pixar has is like, Could be a little bit cumbersome trying to work from home. Cause I know, like, for certain positions, it's been like difficult where it's like, oh man, I don't have the power、mm-hmm. to do this thing. Well, very luckily, Pixar actually let us take setups at home. So we have like work computers and work laptop. We use something called Teradici, which、uh, lets us actually, it's almost like we're logging in as if we were in the studio. Mm-hmm. So, it doesn't take much power.、Mm. However, internet wise, it definitely takes a lot of internet. So,、mm. increasing your internet,、uh, broadband, whatever, is something we had to do. And I mean, it's very weird starting a job right like out of school 
remotely mm-hmm. uh, is definitely a bit difficult in the way that when I was in my internship, you know, I could just get up, go to someone's office and be like, hey, could you help me with this? Because I don't know how it works. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit difficult, but the support system at Pixar has been really amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our managers, everyone's making sure, like, especially during the pandemic, everyone's okay, like also mental health wise, you know, and, you know, we just Zoom with other people and like ask them for help mm-hmm. where we have Slack, we use Slack and we just like ask questions there. So has it been difficult? Yes, but mm-hmm. it hasn't been too bad because of the environment and the sense of community that we have at Pixar. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, especially on my time on Luca, which was the first thing I worked on when I started remotely. The team was just like really amazing with that. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, like luckily it, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like the hardest part was probably internet. Like yeah. you were saying mm-hmm. you could update a rig and then I'm assuming it would go to like a server and then people could use it like right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> if that's the case, you're uploading a rig. It'll <laughs> depend on your internet speed. I mean, that, that part is okay. Mm. I don't know how to explain it. It's just, um, it just uses a lot. Yeah. It's not the uploading part that takes a lot of internet. It's just connecting to the studio in general. Mm, okay. mm. But also we have like the, the team has been just like really great about that. Like if you can't work because your internet's bad or you have like a blackout or whatever mm-hmm. or brownout, as they say, um, they just, you know, um, like you, you can just take time off then and they're very understanding about it. So it's not your fault. It's the technology. Mm. That's really nice. That's really nice of them. Yeah. Uh, You mentioned this earlier, but you attended SVA, the School of Visual Arts in New York. And while you were there, you worked on like multiple short films. Uh, What was it like getting to work on a short film for the very first time when you were like an underclassman and stuff? Uh, So I'm a very ambitious person. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) when I was in freshman year, I was like, I really want to work on a film. I really want to work on a film. Wow, so yeah. I went and asked, like I made friends with some seniors and like I was asking them so many questions and I actually worked on two films in my freshman year. But guess what I was doing? <laughs> Not what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was actually animating, which is crazy to me because I actually don't like animating that much. <laughs> Um, but it was so fun You just wanted me. to get your feet wet for the first time, yeah. just anything. And I was open to it because, like, it did interest me still, you mm-hmm. know. And with the seniors' guidance, you know, it was, like, pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cool to have, like, my name in a credit for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. And, like, even in freshman year, I worked on, like, a 2D rotoscoping film with a friend. So Ooh, yeah. that was, like, fun, too. Um, and then, so sophomore year and junior year, I really... I think I stretched myself a bit too thin because I worked on like, I think more than 10 films, which was crazy. (laughs) That's so many. Yeah, it was too much. So don't do that. Don't do that. How were there even that many films happening? (laughs) There there were, but I just like, I was really, I was a bit too ambitious at that time. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, sorry, in sophomore year, I think I worked on two. I think it was on junior year that I worked on 10. That's insane. Yeah, it was crazy. But, um, I worked on Material Girl by Jenna Spurlock, who is actually working, she's now my colleague and working on the same show together, oh, um, awesome. which is fun. Yeah. Um, and I rigged her character for her film. And that was really cool because that was my really, my first time 
working on a rig for production and working with animators and working with someone who was my director, Jenna. And it was just like a really cool experience because I got to experience what it was like. Mm. And was it a little bit annoying sometimes? Maybe, yeah, because, you know, rigging, you just have to like make the rig better every time. But it was mm-hmm. such a great learning experience. And that year, I also worked on a short called Pepito, where I got to model the character. And it was like this stop motion style. So it was really cool. Ooh, and I also yeah. worked on this other film. And I also did some rigging. Um, and it was much more realistic looking. So mm. I kind of was able to like explore a lot. And I think mm-hmm. that experience honestly helped me get my internship because... You know, mm-hmm. they want to see that you're able to work with other people. And I honestly just loved it, even though I definitely t- took on too much. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great learning experience and it was really fun. I love working with people. That's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's such a range to work on, like, sort of a stop motion mm-hmm. film and then a realistic one. Yeah. Did you kind of figure mm-hmm. out you liked the more stylized uh a look i would say is uh what pixar leans towards oh definitely i mean <laughs> i feel like that's, that's always what i've been like striving for to be honest like mm. as much as i love um like realistic and i admire people who can do that i feel like the beauty of animation is doing things that are not real mm. yes and so i just mm-hmm. i really fell in love with this style and i mean i definitely am open to like discovering new styles and i have mm-hmm. and i still am but it's definitely a style that I love. And I just love the sincerity in the animation. Mm. I, I mean, it was cool to explore different styles, though. This way, I, I was sure, you know, like, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, not only did you work on, apparently, a bajillion films while <laughs> attending SVA, but you also directed and produced the Student Academy Award winning film, Hamsa. Like, one, that's just super crazy. That's super cool. And you. can you talk to us? What inspired you to tell that story? Mm-hmm. So as I told you before, like my family's from all the Middle East and, you know, they're refugees. So mm-hmm. to add on to that, I'm actually Jewish. So my family is all Jewish and we were all in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're either kicked out or had to escape mm-hmm. due to like political reasons. Yeah. And so my identity kind of played into this film a lot. And it was kind of like a conflict of my identity and a real conflict happening, you know. And all I want is peace. So, like, I'm Jewish, right? Mm-hmm. I'm. I also speak Arabic because my family is technically Arab, and I feel like society tells us that my identities are conflicting. And it's like, mm-hmm. for me, we're the same because that's who I am, right? It's everything that I am. Mm-hmm. So, I really wanted to tell a story about you know humanity and how at the end of the day we're all human. Um, and I actually spent a lot of time in the region. And I saw it with my own eyes, you know, like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and how it is. Mm-hmm. And it definitely made me sad, but I saw what the media doesn't show you. And it's when people come together uh, in, t- in hard times. And I feel that that's something I really wanted to show. As I told you before, like one of my goals through animation is to make the world a better place. However cheesy that sounds, that's my goal. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with this story. You know, first of all, open people's eyes and just show that we are human at the end of the day. And so, yeah, I pitched that story to my partners, Chrissy and Maya, and they loved it. It was really scary for me to 
you know, tackle that subject. Mm-hmm. But I definitely wanted to tell the story uh, so people know that, you know, it's peace is possible. And I feel like we should all be striving for it. And yeah, it is such an honor to have won like so many awards, including the Student Academy Award, um, because, you know, it also means that we were able to like show this movie to so many people. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's been really cool getting so many messages from people like relating to it and like wanting mm-hmm. the same things. So, yeah, it's been <laughs> an amazing journey. And yeah, I mean, the story came from like personal experience, um, from things I've seen. Mm-hmm. And in a way, like all three characters are part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like an identity piece in a way. Mm. Um, and yeah. Yeah, I think that's so important. Like, mm-hmm. just you taking your genuine experience, you know, I guess to me, it wasn't really a piece where it was like, oh, the artist is reflecting as much on themselves. It was just like, you're putting your whole self out there. Like you're saying, the three characters are like parts of you. Mm-hmm. And even though, uh, like you say, you know, the media doesn't depict any of that. That makes it kind of scary, even though your entire message is peace. And like, I think we can all agree that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it is scary because you're you're presenting an idea that not a lot of people have seen, mm-hmm. even if it's a good one. So I think that was very brave of you. And it's it's mm-hmm. a really good thing that you put it out there and showed your experience and what you want people to understand from like this conflict is that, mm-hmm. you know coming together there are still good people within this conflict they're not just like Mm -hmm. you know across across an ocean and uh always in conflict Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. thank you no that's really great and then also just like just tackling any kind of short film especially when it's your own is such a big task and again you allowed yourself to be vulnerable by kind of going into that place Mm -hmm. Uh, but while kind of like directing and producing it what were some things that you maybe learned from working on the other short films that you have that you kind of like applied to your own? Was there like some stuff that you were like, oh man, I did not like what this short film, how this short film approached <laughs> this, so I'm not going to do that. Or like, damn, this person really knew how to manage the other artists or they had a good file structure in there mm-hmm. for the film, so I'm going to apply that to mine. Like what, what were some things that you kind of took or decided to like leave? Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned so much from other people, honestly. I feel like I kind of, at the end of my junior year, went to all the seniors and was like, okay, guys, what went wrong? <laughs> can you tell me? So that I can like write it all down and kind of plan for it. And then as you can see from our film, everything that our teachers told us not to do, we decided to do. <laughs> we kind of went against everything. So like, for example, they said like, don't do crowds, mm-hmm. don't do an open scene, outdoor scene, um, don't have more than one main character. They said, don't have hair. Um, don't have dialogue, <laughs> all these things. And we were like, you know what? We're going to do all of that. Because <laughs> um, we were just like really ambitious with it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I learned so much from other people and their films and like what they went wrong. And like also they're just people I admired. For example, uh, there's a film called Taking the Plunge. And one of the people who made it, uh, Liz Ku Herrero, she was, well, she was my partner's advisor and she was also my teacher at one point. And we really asked her and her group, you know, for a lot of advice because they were so organized. And mm. I mean, they won a Student Academy Award too, mm. um, which 
obviously we did not expect to win one, but you know, they were like our inspiration and we learned so much from them and their organization and how they went about their film. So yeah, I feel like that helped us tackle such a big story and like big ambitions. Definitely we went, we uh, ran into issues, like small issues here and there, but I feel like our camaraderie um, and like our organization, like always being on time and like not doing overnights, like not like we were never sleeping too late. We were kind of treating it as a job. It really helped us to finish everything on time and like, I think get the result that we did. So it's really about organization, honestly, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And just knowing where your skills are, like your strengths and like playing on those. So like my team, we each had our strengths and we kind of did like went together, came together and focused on that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that helped a lot too. Mm-hmm. For sure. You guys kind of had a small team. I don't know how many underclassmen I guess you had helping you, but for your core team, it was just you, uh, Maya, who actually was a previous guest on our show, did animation, mm-hmm. uh, helped out animation. And then uh, Chrissy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it was just basically you three, right? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we really did the core. Yeah. We were like the core group and did most of the work like we did get underclassmen specifically for animation Mm. and then maybe some people helped us like you know with like some small things here and there but i feel like we really took on the bulk of the work which was definitely Mm. a lot (laughs) but (laughs) it was worth it at the end Mm -hmm. so yeah i really liked how for your short film you really like you know dove into yourself your cultural background and I feel like that's something that's like super important to be able to reflect on and showcase to other people does your cultural background still play like a huge role now as it kind of like your identity as an artist like working professionally mm-hmm. definitely I mean I feel personally like you know I didn't see myself represented on screen mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. being in the characters department like that's one of my goals I want more, more representation on screen diverse mm-hmm. representation but like in every way, not just ethnicity, like mm-hmm. disability, body type, uh, everything, honestly. So I feel like my identity is definitely uh, tied to what I do because I want to be able to bring other people up too, you know, like show showcase anyone and everyone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I actually started a studio resource group at Pixar. Oh. oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a Middle Eastern group. We call it Pixwana, which uh, oh. Swana is like Southwest Asia and North Africa. Oh, okay. And yeah, that's been really cool. Like, definitely my identity is a huge part of who I am. And I want to have, like I said, I want to have more representation. So definitely a goal of mine. All right, man, that's Super really great. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. So do you also have any, like, you know, future aspirations uh, for yourself, like in, in this industry? Definitely. Um, I honestly, my goal, my dream would be to direct in the future, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. feature film or short films or um, TV shows. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a, something I would want to do. And you know, working on Hamsa really showed like showed me what I could do and if I'm maybe fit or not fit for it. Mm. And it taught me a lot, and I really enjoyed the process. So. I definitely want to do it again. So yeah, that would be my dream. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be great. You already show you have the chats, right? You're again, how many people can say that they're a student academy award winning director? <laughs> <Not many. laughs> Honestly. 
What's your favorite part about um, directing? I think it's like, for example, with Hamza, it's like I had this, I really had a clear vision of what I wanted. And I feel like I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but like, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I genuinely like love to lift other people up and like listen to their ideas. I'm not stuck only to my way of doing mm. things. And I just really love like collaborating and bringing people together um, and bringing a vision together on screen. I think that, yeah, I think that's really like my passion, honestly. That's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this this podcast uh, is a celebration of you, so don't worry about it. Toot your own horn. Toot <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> to, to as much as you want. <laughs> it's okay to recognize your good points. <laughs> oh, thank you. So thank you so much for joining us, Daniela. Thank you. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug at this time? Well, my social media, like my Instagram is my passion for art or being the number four. <laughs> um, and you can connect with me in, on LinkedIn if you'd like. Um, just reach out or you can also uh, go on my website. It's uh, danimation.art. So www.animation.art, Danimation, sorry. And just <laughs> for what we said before uh, about like what I do, if you want to check out Inside Pixar, it's on Disney+. Plus. You can kind of get to know a little bit more about what everyone does in the industry. Mm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's a, just a really great resource if you really want to understand like exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean... I love your podcast and I can't wait to see like where you guys go with it too. So thank you you so much. (laughs) And then as we come to a close, what final advice do you have for those that want to pursue a career in animation? One, don't be afraid to explore. You're never stuck in one discipline. As I showed you, like I animated in my first like credit, you know, Mm -hmm. and just keep asking questions. This industry is so lovely. Like, honestly, people are just so open and nice and wanting to help you. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Reach out to people, ask questions. And that's honestly the way you're going to get better. And finally, practice. Practice, you know, when we say practice makes perfect, it's really true. Just like keep honing your craft, practicing. That's how you will find out what you love. And that's also how you're going to get better. And that's how you're going to get internships and jobs and all of that. So, yeah, practice a lot. Don't be hard on yourself, even though as artists, we all are. <laughs> but <laughs> you can be a little bit hard on yourself. You know, it's, it's good for motivation, but not too much. Like, have like a good support system and always ask questions. It's perfect advice. Mm-hmm. If you enjoyed our interview with Daniela today, please rate and follow us on Anchor Spotify or wherever you tune in. We're officially on Apple Podcasts now, so please leave us a review. That'll really boost us in the algorithm. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future, Straight Ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.